0: the left corner to Agitla,
1: Agitla in the left circle, has to be the shot, Save. made by Agitla, another shot, they score, the Flames win it, yeah baby, they score, and the sea of red erupts. Flames Talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson.
0: Alright, uh, welcome to Wind Sport. We just thought we'd uh, set up at a table right in the middle of uh, this world-class facility and start to do a show. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk, Wes, Pat, and uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll try to keep the voice down a little bit because we're in more of an open space than normal, so I don't have to, I don't have to be screaming at the top of my lungs here, but... You know, we got lots to talk
1: about. What's going on, buddy? You know, just hanging out in the cafeteria if anyone wants to come buy us some chicken fingers or something. Hey, the Garden cafe's right there. I would love... I would love a grilled cheese. They
0: make a great, real, uh, real grill, grilled cheese. Uh, we're here because Calgary Flames Development Camp continues, and they were on the ice for the first time on Thursday morning. Lots of different prospects that uh, we heard from, lots of different guys that we spoke to. Uh, we're going to hear from Matt Coronado a little bit later on this hour. chat with him, get a little bit of a sit-down with the 2021 first-round pick, The first, uh, the last first-round pick the Flames had prior to Sam Hanzek going in the first round last week. And
1: I believe the
0: only camper with NHL experience so far. That would be he is the one game of NHL experience. Uh, some of the other guys like Dustin Wolf and Jacob Pelche, Connor Zerry, some of those names not at this development camp with all the pro experience they've got under his belt. So that's uh, that's what we're doing here at Winsport. Maybe get some other guests on throughout the uh, two hours of this Thursday Flames talk if we'll be back here for friday's program as well but we haven't had wes on in a long we will stretch the calgary Flames since we uh had you last on so first of all hello wes welcome back to flames talk we were not excommunicating you from the flames talk family i promise
1: i i did not feel excommunicated i uh i've been uh maybe on a golf course or two maybe on a yeah, some of the some of two. the um some of
0: the scarcity
1: of is been
0: well as well hasn't just been draft and uh other things like, related like a conditioning assignment let's say
2: yeah that yeah. sounds
0: that sounds right yeah um it's been a busy stretch for the flames draft is done they got one deal done at the draft as we know in making that deal with new jersey for tyler to bringing back uh yegor sharon the other way on that third round pick free agency is open they've been very quiet in free agency they signed a couple of players they signed. A In Jordan Osterley and Brady Lyle, but for the most part, it's been a very, very quiet Flames team in unrestricted free agency. So I thought now that development is underway and it's sneak a peek Thursday and First Friday is upon us for the 2023 Calgary Stampede Drafts behind us. I just thought maybe let's take stock of where the flames are and, and where we see things right now because I've been, this is to your take, because I've been saying this for most of the week, that, and and even going back to last week, is here we sit, a week removed from the NHL draft, and, you know, five days into unrestricted free agency, this situation that they have with Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm is holding them up from doing much of anything. They are being very cautious with anything else because they know that they have two pending huge decisions that they have to figure out and decisions they can't really be making other significant moves so right now they're waiting they're waiting on, on trades to realize they're just waiting on all those Ducks to be put in a row before they do much else. And that's kind of the way you have to go about things with if you have two franchise-defining decisions like Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm in front of you.
1: Yeah, and and Lindholm, because I know there's been a lot of consternation about whether they can win on an A. He should have them pre be as to the NHL draft or, or whatever pressure point it should have been. Whether he would be extending beyond this upcoming season, right. and I think what you can take away from the fact that teams are willing to wait for that answer is that their first, second, and third choice is to keep him. Yep, they absolutely don't want. To, and those who have followed the Calgary Flames for a number of years know what a struggle it's been in this city and elsewhere to find number one centers. And they feel like they have one. And if it takes waiting, whether it's a few weeks or, or a month or whatever it is to find out from Elias Lindholm, if he is into a long-term deal and, and we know there's one on the table, I think what you can take from that is that they realize the value of this player to their rather not trade him. Will there be suitors if they make him available on the? Trip? Absolutely. He says, "I think there is a lot of hope around the Saddle Dome that this home that mm-hmm. that they could keep him around." Yeah, well, and that's just it. I think that right now
0: they, I, I don't have a gut feel as to how this whole thing plays out because the entire situation hinges on him and and I truly do believe he is undecided right now I think he's undecided as to whether or not he wants to commit the next nine years of his playing career to one organization when he's got the opportunity to when he's got the opportunity to hit hit it big in free he's got the opportunity to have his pick of the litter and that's what it comes down to and so I guess it leads to the question that I have that's a good place to start. We need a decision by this date. We need a decision,
1: hard, year or August at any time. Well, I think at some point the answer is yes. I just don't know what that deadline needs to be. You know, you're you need to if you don't have an answer by a certain point, you need to be able to explore option B which is we might need to trade this yep. guy and and I certainly believe I I I certainly believe that they have a sense of who would be interested I know that there will have been other teams that will have called and said you know what are you thinking here what would you be looking for so so some of that groundwork might be done I don't know exactly what the deadline is but it doesn't need to be you know it doesn't need to be the second friday of stampede it doesn't need it doesn't necessarily even need to be the end of summer. I, I do think that there has to be some wariness about going into this season with a whole bunch of question marks. I, I know that they would do their best to not make it a distraction. Well, is Lindholm going to be back? Is Hannafin going to be back? Is Michael Backlund going to be back? And and yet, good on Craig Conroy and his management staff for not rushing into this either and, and taking what we understand have been pretty soft offers and so yeah you need to know it does there have to be a deadline eventually sure there does you can't go to the end of the season and have Elias Lindholm walk for nothing but this idea that you're either extended on July 1st or you have to be on the you know the first Uber out of town I don't think that's the case either because I'm 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 with you. Like, I don't think that they need to go and
0: and tell him right now, we need an answer by this date, and if we don't get it, then we're going to move you. But what I do think, and I, I think this is very much where the Flames are, i think that they need to have whether it's a hard internal deadline or a soft kind of this is the time when about we need to know that's what i think they need because i do think they need to give themselves time to pivot i think they have to give themselves an opportunity to move from okay we'd really like to have you back to we don't think it's going to happen so we're going to start to try to work on a trade because it doesn't just go from oh well you're not going to sign back and immediately a trade is consummated because you got to then have to be patient and work your way through the trade too and you got to get the right deal if you're going to move a guy of that caliber so it, there's there's a lot of different steps to it which is i why i do think at some point you need some some sort of an internal deadline some sort of an internal pivot point for you to go in a different direction and and maybe that that old term being intellectually honest maybe at some point you say okay it's probably not going to happen if we haven't heard by now it's probably time for us to start exploring other options yeah
1: and I, I think it's important to point out and i think most people are aware of this this is not you know the calgary flames made a contract offer or or discussed some numbers with elias Lindholm's camp around the nhl draft and, and now they're waiting and waiting and waiting, and they can't get a hold of them, and they don't know how to reach them, and he won't give them a clue. Like we heard Craig Conroy say on Canada Day, after a very quiet first day of free agency, he spoke that morning to Elias Lindholm. Yep, we know he's been in contact with the GM. We know he's been in contact with head coach Ryan Huska. This is not, you know, this is not the Calgary Flames waiting for a smoke signal from Sweden indicating whether the answer is yes or no. And and I think a big part of that constant communication is trying to get as many clues as possible into exactly what you're talking about. If, if you start to get the heebie-jeebies about this, yep. if you think Elias Lindholm has one foot out the door, then you have to be looking at trade options. Now, as I've repeated to lots of buddies or or people who have asked me over the last month or so, you know, about all the reports hasn't even been a month, but you know, if we go back to, Oh, well, you know, insider a says, Lindholm probably wants out and insider. B says, you know, Hannafin wants out Mm -hmm. and insider C says, Michael Backlund might be leaving this. It's really, really, really important to remember that can be a negotiating tactic too. We've, Seeing this playbook before where, you know, okay, well, didn't love the numbers. Maybe he's thinking of leaving it. It, You just need to pump the brakes on this. But, yes, if the Calgary Flames don't have optimism, if they don't get an indication that Elias Lindholm's interested in staying and they are really working hard to get to the bottom of that, then yes, at some point you need that deadline and you need to move on. Well, and I mean, I, I look at it, I don't think they're doing anything
0: wrong by not giving him a hard deadline, as we mentioned. I think that that gives you a better chance of the desired outcome happening. I think you have a, I, I think you put yourself in a worse situation if you say Elias we need a we need it tomorrow we need an answer by tomorrow I think you put yourself in a worse spot that way and you get you you lower the chances of getting the right deal or you getting the, the answer that you're looking for that's one um so I, I don't think they need to do that uh, I do think having some sort of internal time frame for it makes a lot of sense but what about like there's been a lot of people saying Elias is doing the same thing Johnny Gaudreau did to him and holding them up and, and not allowing them to kind of explore some of the other options they might have on the table if they knew what was happening. And my answer to that is I I don't think, first of all, I I never thought Johnny did anything wrong. He was well within his rights to wait as long as he wanted, but Elias still has one year of being under contract. Like, I mean, from, from Elias and his agency standpoint, they don't really have any type of flashpoint on this thing. They 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 look at it and say, "Well, we're under contract for next year. We understand you want an, an answer, but he's entitled to a year plus of of determining how he wants to go about this." So I, I don't I don't really think Elias and his camp deserve any criticism for taking some real time to mull over what is a, a massive life decision for him.
1: And this has become something sort of new in the NHL and you and I have been covering the league for a decade plus each and, and been around it. it's not always been the case where if you don't have a contract one year out the alarm bells start to go off and I understand why this has, has become a major concern for teams I, I understand why asset management in a salary cap world is more important than other and yet for all the reasons you just outlined, you can't, if a guy on July 5th, that's 360 days from when his contract runs out. If you, if if you're not willing to wait to that point to find out what his future plans are. And, and like you said, you've got, you know, everything changed for Elias Lindholm in, in January or February when he had his first child. And yep. now you're asking him to project nine years into his future. Where do you want to be? And and they do need that answer from them. But you have to be patient with it as well. And, and you know, that's the, that's the human side of the business that we always talk about. At some point, it's going to get to where you absolutely need an answer. But I like the word you use, flashpoints. Like, you know, do Elias Lindholm and, and his camp even just want to wait until a few more contracts get done to see whether the market changes?
0: Well, any? yeah, you want to see what the... If you're going to be committing to a team for the next nine years or signing an eight year extension with a team, which is what we understand is on the table, like we're talking about eight times 8.75 or eight times nine is, is what's on the table here for Lindholm. And so if that's the case, you want to make sure that if you're going to commit yourself to whether it's the city of Calgary, the city of Edmonton, Los Angeles, or, or Miami, Florida, you want to make sure that the direction of the organization is also going in a direction that's positive and that you feel like you've got an opportunity to win and you've got an opportunity to be successful during that, that commitment. So with the organization in such a transition and with Craig Conroy still in the very early stages of putting his stamp on the team, yeah, there's probably a little bit of wait and see as to okay, I wanna see I, I wanna have a little bit of a larger picture as to what this team's gonna look like when we start the next season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and NHL teams on the other side of the equation deal with pressure points too, right? The NHL draft is a a pressure point to get certain things done as it pertains to roster movement and I, there wasn't necessarily as much of that from the flames or really from any team as we expected a couple weeks ago in Nashville, but there's not a pressure point for a little while now. And so, yeah, this can just play out for a few weeks or a, a month or whatever it is. You need, you need Elias Lindholm to be upfront about what he's thinking, even if upfront just means I'm not quite decided yet, but the urgency to get this done today or yesterday. I I just don't think it necessarily needs to be there.
0: Is there, is there for you a drop dead date? Like, is there anything for you that you'd say, okay, they probably need to get this done by this point of, of the summer or something like that.
1: You know, I wouldn't want him to necessarily be on the ice on the first day of training camp undecided. That's fair. And I think there's a certainly a chance that he could be. But I think by that point, even if it's not public what the decision is, even if the Flames don't necessarily, if he chooses that you know he's not going to re-sign, I don't know that the Flames need to make that trade even by the first day of training camp. But I really do think there's a distraction element that could come into play. And so I, I think if you're the Flames, you'd you'd really like to have an idea by day one of camp in September. I'm with you.
0: By the way, there's an AirPod right underneath you if you just oh, you want to pick it up. Or just don't step on it is the main thing. Um, I was hoping for a grilled cheese. That could still be coming. Um, look, it, if there's one thing that I do, it's drop things while I do a show because I fidget so much. Um And I'm I'm I don't think you'd I I think with both Lindholm and Hannifin you'd like to go into the off season uh, sorry the the beginning of training camp and have that figured out so that would be as close to a hard deadline as I'd be looking at and I know this text comes in at nine sixty nine sixty says I don't think the time frame is wide open or as wide open as you guys think because a lot of other decisions are dependent on what happens with Lindholm and. I understand that, but I think the Flames have to be and I believe are okay with some of those other decisions and some other things they could have done
1: maybe getting delayed. So, for instance... Well, and let me ask you this. Do you think they do hinge on Lindholm, or do you think there's just a set... There's an amount of money set aside for Elias Lindholm that doesn't really impact what else is happening? I think they are in a spot where they didn't feel like
0: they could go into free agency and spend a lot of money, even if there were some guys like, for instance, I I, I think that they probably had some interest in Tyler Bertuzzi. Right. And I, I, but I don't think even what the Maple Leafs did, I don't think they could have gone down that road until they knew exactly what the roster situation was going to look like, because they didn't want to give themselves any more potential headaches. So instead of jumping in on some of the free agents, they would have really liked to be in on. Maybe they get them, maybe they don't. They just said, No, we're gonna wait and and we're maybe just gonna be small players in free agency because of our cap situation and because of the uncertainty. That's that's where I think it's being held up. You know, some of the other names, I, I don't think that I don't think that they would pause a Backland trade just because Lindholm hasn't made his sure. decision. Or pause a Hannafin trade, which is the other big one that they gotta figure out and we'll get to in just a second, just because they're waiting on Lindholm. So do I think that they have an eternal time frame? No, do I think they need an answer by the end of the week or by the end of the month? I also don't think they need to do that. If you remember correctly, you know, Matthew Kachuk was a deal that was made after free agency was open. It was a deal that was made after the draft. You know, Matthew Kachuk got done in the middle of the season. Nazem Kadri got signed in the mi- middle of the summer, rather. Uh, and, and Nazem Kadri got signed in the middle of the summer. So these are things that don't have to happen in, in a, you know, around a traditional day they can happen out of nowhere
1: and these deals can still get done. And a credit to the negotiating done on Elias Lindholm's last contract. I mean, that at 4.85 million, which is his current cap hit, that is a total sweetheart deal. And that's a number that you can take guys back making a certain amount. And, and I just think that needs to be pointed out because if you move Elias Lindholm, you're probably w- willing to take a certain amount of that salary back in terms of a couple, maybe it's young players, a couple emerging pieces, whatever it looks like. I don't think that cap hit in August is, is as difficult to move as teams are finding some other cap hits yep. to be. And, and so, you know, I give, I, I thought there were going to be a lot of fireworks from the flames of the NHL draft in, in terms of player moves. I, I didn't necessarily think it would be Elias Lindholm but you know it sure sounded like a Noah Hannafin trade could happen as as early as the end of June I, I think Craig Conroy deserves credit for the patience that he's shown on this and I don't just mean the patience on waiting for an answer from Elias Lindholm but I think you as a fan could be fearful of your rookie GM pulling the trigger too soon on a couple trades that might not turn out the way that you need them to. And if I'm in the sea of red, I I think I'm pretty encouraged by the way that Craig Conroy and his staff have, have handled this so far. Now, don't get me wrong. The hardest part of handling it is still to come for sure. Whether that's agreeing to a contract number or agreeing to a trade, With Elias Lindholm, either of those directions are going to have major ramifications on the future of your franchise. But the patient approach so far, I don't think that's a bad thing. A
0: uh, few texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Tim says maybe he wants to see if they're in the playoffs or by Christmas or the trade deadline. Could very well be the case. Although I think as a team, you've got to be a little more pragmatic than that. You might need to make a decision or should have a decision
1: and um, if before can, that time. Sorry, yeah, I can jump in on that too. I, I do think that should be a fear for the Flames is is with so many pending UFAs. If they all want to wait and see how the team is shaping up, they're all kind of waiting on each other yeah. in a way. And and I do think that's difficult. We know Michael Backlund wants to win something. If, if Elias Lindholm, if one of his key things is, well, what does the team look like? If Noah Hannafin wants to, to know whether this is a group that can contend or not, they're all kind of waiting on each other. And so a shoe has to drop there. Uh, This says, I don't see it in the way that Lindholm has the right to
0: take time to decide his future. He has that right next July. The Flames have extended him the courtesy of giving him time to decide. He's a tradable asset that's being shown more courtesy and respect than he has leverage for um this says i already do think i have the heebie-jeebies over this and there's one foot out the door with lindholm i think this sets a bad precedent and doesn't go along with the theory if we want guys who want to be here if it's that difficult of a decision maybe the flames would be better off without him that's just a little bit on the lindholm front uh and quickly yeah go respond there before we pivot to Hannafin.
1: i just think like it's it's july 5th and austin matthews hasn't signed an extension in toronto I don't know all the 2024 UFA is off the top of my head, but we haven't seen a bunch of extensions happen right away. And, and so, yes, I, I certainly understand the fear, but you know, this idea that Elias Lindholm is, is dragging his feet, this idea, and it's tough for any of us to really say, we know Elias Lindholm. He, he's, he's very he's guarded, very guarded, yep. uh, I don't know if shy is necessarily the right way to put it, but, you know, those of us in the media, there, there's certain players who I think we feel like we get a pretty good feel for what they might be thinking. Mike Michael Backlund is certainly a guy who who is, you know, honest, lets you know kind of where he's at. I'm not saying Elias Lindholm's dishonest. I just think for anyone to be sitting here feeling like they have a really great read on this situation. Yeah. It's tough. And I'm sure it's tough if Craig Conroy feels the same way. But this is a really hard one for me to handicap because I'm just not sure with Elias what his priorities are and what he might be thinking. And and we I think we saw a glimpse of that on locker clean out day. You know, I got the sense, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, I got the sense that he was almost surprised to be asked about his next contract already and and I know that it came across a a little bit probably cold I think you know it scared some fans to hear him say guys I'm not even eligible to sign an extension yet I'm not even thinking about that but as I re listened to that and watched that clip I, I think he was a little bit shocked that it had come up already and and so you know 5 days is it the 5th the 6th 6, six, now, six yeah. days into being eligible to sign an extension i i just think to say that he's you know he's sort of behind everyone else in this process i'm not sure that's fair curious to see where it goes cuz i don't have a read on i don't think
0: anybody really has a read on what he's thinking or where he's going to go i don't have a gut in terms of how it's going to play out, but I just know that the flames believe the door is still open uh, from everything that I'm led to believe on, on his end, the door is still open. There's not, the, the, there has not been a, Hey, I'm leaning towards this or I'm not going to, or I really want to. I think right now the door's still open. And I think right now they are optimistic but it's hard for me to, to give too much of a gut feel on the Lindholm front. Now, Hannafin's a little bit different. We talked a lot about him this week, but first uh, first time this week with Wes, they, they're they trying to trade Noah Hannafin. And, and I think a trade is going to happen this summer. I think at some point they'll get the value they're looking for for Noah and be able to make a move. The interesting thing is, I guess my biggest question, one that I, I, I we have not broached this week, is just are we overvaluing Noah Hannafin in this market? It's something that I always ask myself, and this is not a knock on Hannafin, because honestly, my answer is no. I don't think we are, but I think it's always, as a as a local show, as a show that only covers one team primarily, I think you always kind of have to ask that question just to make sure you've got that check and balance. So do we over? overvalue his value in this market because i look at it i see the jacob chikrin deal from just before this past trade deadline and see what ottawa gave up to bring chikrin in they gave up a first round pick and two second round picks and i think noah hannafin and jacob chikrin should be getting very comparable trade returns i think hannafin is a guy this is how I see him and this is why I ask you to, to maybe check me if you think I'm overvaluing but I think we're talking about a guy who is a top two pairing player on any team in the NHL and is probably a top pair defenseman on about half the teams in the NHL he's a 26 year old player with more than or just under 600 NHL games to his name and he's good for about 40 points every year so to me that's a guy that should command the same type of return as Jacob Chickren he's they're, they're about a year apart so we're not talking about a significant gap in their age and that's why I think the Flames absolutely need to get a haul for this guy and so that's my feel and I don't think I'm overvaluing what Noah Hannafin is on the open market or what he is on the trade market but I wanted to bounce that off of you
1: yeah I want to share a, a couple of conversations I've had and as a way of answering the the two questions that you've just raised and so First of all, and this was going back several years. I I remember talking to someone from another organization and and we were talking about Brad Truliving at at that point, the Flames general manager and and kind of the way he does business and, and, you know, what, what's it like dealing with him. And this person, again, from outside the Flames organization said, you know, the one thing about Brad is that he always overvalues his players, that he this particular person, and this is just you know one person's opinion. I can't stress that enough. This particular person thought doing trades with Brad Trelin was very difficult because of the inflated opinion he had of the guys of already players, on right? his roster. And so when you talk about whether we as, as local media overvalue players, I absolutely think whether you're a fan, whether you're media, whether you're the GM, the guys that you watch 82 times a year I absolutely think that that can skew your sense of them. And probably on the flip side, just the fact that, you know, I don't see Jacob Chikrin a whole time, a few times on TV, a couple times live a year. So, so now I'm comparing a guy who I've seen play 82 times a year, you know, 300 and sometimes in a flames Jersey across to what he might compare to another guy that that's difficult. So I'll share that part. And the second thing I had a really interesting conversation I guess a couple of weeks ago about Noah Hannafin being a guy who at 25 years old has 600 games of NHL experience, which is absolutely mind boggling. And the two trains of thought being one, well, if you have that much experience already, just, just think of how beneficial that will be now in his prime years. And the other train of thought being, well, at 600 games, you know exactly what you have and that that might outweigh Noah Hannafin's age in terms of at 600 games, he just is what he's going to be. And and I think I share that as a way of illustrating that I think whether he can get a similar haul to Jacob Chickren is probably dependent on which of those two trains of thought you're in. I I think a big part of the appeal of Jacob Chickren was still the upside there. Right. And so do you think Noah Hannafin at 600 games of NHL experience $5.99. $5.98. $5.98. Five ninety nine I 5 Five ninety eight. Five ninety eight. See, I'm overvaluing him already. I think at that point it's whether you think there's still more growth there or you think he is what he is. Yeah. Because if but even
0: even if there's not more growth, he's still a top four defenseman on any team in this league with right now, he's 100%. got a sweetheart of a contract that most teams will be able to fit in uh, without a whole lot of gymnastics. He can get you 40 points a year on an annual basis, and you've got an opportunity to re-sign him, and there's still, with the way he skates and his longevity, he's still got, I think, six, seven years of being a pretty high-leverage defenseman in this league, so even if there's not a whole lot of upside beyond what he is, I still think there's a lot of value there.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. And, and I, you know, I, I think the flip side of it is, is he's shown, especially when you compare him to Chikrin, like look at the durability that Noah Hannafin has shown throughout his career to be at, at the number of games that he's at already. And so yeah. do I think it's quite the same trade return? Probably not. But I think it depends on where he goes and how long he's willing to sign for there. Now, is it overvaluing him to think you could get a, a package that includes a first and a second? I don't necessarily think so. Are you looking for a package that would include more guys ready to contribute right now? I think you are. I I, I don't think this is completely a futures trade. No,
0: if it were me, I'd be looking at getting a first. It, like that would be non-negotiable, and I'd hope. And I, I think the ideal thing would be if you could get a first and a defenseman who is nhl caliber not at the same level as noah but if you could get like a 21 22 year old guy with some ahl experience and who's starting to you know make his way to the nhl sure. that i think is is kind of the ideal return a first and a younger defenseman, younger than Noah, not as established as Noah, maybe not as high a ceiling as Hannafin, but somebody that you can plug into your roster.
1: Yeah, I think it has to include a first if you're going to make that deal right away, especially if you're making the deal as a a sign and trade or or even giving the other team rights to negotiate an extension before you go there. I think it has to include a first and, and then, Certainly, I, I, I think you're on to something. Yeah. If you can get a guy who's ready to contribute, who's maybe proven already he can contribute, you're not expecting him to be at the same level. But yeah, I, I like the sounds of that package. And I don't think that's overvaluing. Wes,
0: Pat from Winsport on this Thursday. We're here for Calgary Flames Development Camp. This hour of Flames Talk is underway. And, of course, it's all coming at you. And I'll uh, get and beam back to our friends at uh, our Sportsnet 960, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. y You're locked on Flames Talk. Only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, fun discussion to kick off this hour as we continue along from Winsport on this Thursday. Steinberg and Wes along with you. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. And I think the two names that people have their eye on most here at 2023 development camp with the most recent first round pick Samuel Hanzek and 2021 first round pick Matt Coronado of course uh, for Coronado he made his NHL debut right at the end of the season after spending a few weeks on the Flames roster he finished his year at Harvard decided to sign joined the flames debuted against the sharks then went put up eight points in 10 games at the world championship over in europe with team usa now he's here at development camp and uh, had a chance to sit down with matt coronado a little earlier on this thursday here at wind sport got into a lot of those things and a whole lot more just how ready is matt feeling to be a full-time NHLer? Uh, I actually he's quite diplomatic in his answer all that and more here's uh, my chat with Matt Coronado from a little earlier on this Thursday. Take us through the last month or so. It's been about a month or so since you got back from uh from Europe. What has it been like since you got back from the world championships?
2: yeah it's been it's been real nice to be home. Um, I took about a week off and then uh, started working out um with my trainer at home, started skating so the last uh last three weeks have been. Have been good with that and um it's just been been great to be out here uh so far these last couple days yeah
0: it seems like hockey's just not stopped for you hey you went from playing college and then you're playing for the flames and then the world and now this just kind of been non-stop but would you have it would you have it any other way like this is probably you eat breathe and eat breathe and sleep this stuff don't you
2: yeah it's been a blast um i'm definitely grateful to have had all these opportunities the last couple months um It's gone by quick, but uh, I feel like I've definitely been able to to learn a lot, and um, it's just been all great experiences for me.
0: So I had heard right as the season was coming to an end, the NHL season was coming to an end, that there there might be some interest in you going to World Championship. I asked you about it at the time, and you weren't sure then. How did you get the word that you were going to go represent Team USA?
2: Uh, Connie actually gave me the call. Um, He was uh, an assistant GM with Mm -hmm. that team, so uh, he gave me the call, I think. Maybe a week, week and a half after I left Calgary. Um, so that was really exciting to hear it from him and, um, like I said, I'm just super grateful I, I was able to get that call and, and get that experience. I had a ton of fun over there.
0: Yeah, what was the experience like? Like, the to be playing over there and to be playing with a lot of guys with plenty of NHL experience. Just work us through there or talk us through the world championship experience.
2: It was great to, to learn from so many older guys. Um, but at the same time, there were a lot of younger guys, too. Um, a lot of guys I actually knew going in, so... I had a ton of fun with with two of my buddies from school also were there yeah. uh, Sean and Henry so it was great to be there with them but just looking back on it um it was awesome to to have that experience to learn from guys um and we did well as a team um kind of up until the end but we had a lot of success so so that made it a lot better too.
0: You uh what what's the balance like of being able to go and check out some new spots and, and explore the surroundings but also playing? What's the what's the balance like over there?
2: Um, we did I think we did a good job balancing it. We definitely took some time to to go out to eat and explore uh, the city. Tampere was great. Um, it was a great city. We had a lot of fun there. Um but obviously when you're there the the main focus is hockey and and winning, so we did a good job balancing that as a group. We were able to get out a good amount but um when it came to to mm-hmm. being ready to practice and play, we were ready so it was it was great
0: it was a it was a pretty successful stretch for you as well. You were productive you were what eight points in ten games when it was all said and done like how did you feel at that level and at the tournament
2: I think for me i I just felt more and more comfortable every game um I think going into it, I was just trying to do um, all the little things right, do whatever I can to help. Um, but I definitely started to, to get more and more comfortable as it went along, and um, that's a credit to to the staff that was there and, and to the older guys. I think they, they made all of us younger guys feel really good, and um, it was just uh, – a lot of fun to be out there.
0: So you, you go from playing college and then you're practicing with the NHL team for a few weeks, you get your first game and then a few weeks later you're playing at the World Championship. I'm just, as as that whole process goes along from okay, now you're skating with NHL guys, now you play in an NHL game, now you're playing at the World Championship just how much does that boost your confidence in terms of, hey, this is where I belong, this is the level I'm supposed to be at?
2: Yeah, I think it, it makes you confident when when you get to be in, in those kind of settings. Um, I think it's definitely really important to be confident. I think uh, every guy, when they're at their best, they're feeling confident. So I think the more and more experiences you get, the the more your confidence builds, um, and that's really all you can ask for.
0: We're chatting with Matt Coronado of the Flames. Now that you've had a few months to digest it and you've got that first NHL game, how much hungrier are you to get a whole lot more this coming season?
2: A lot you know i think um all the work you put in uh this summer for me um it's obviously it's my goal um uh to to show up to camp and 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 be in the best put myself in the best position to make the team but um obviously there's a lot of great players so um my job right now is just to work my absolute hardest and and be as ready as i can be
0: what has the summer been obviously it's been different because you've been playing in a lot of different spots but in terms of the focuses and how you're going about your off-season program any different than other
2: years i don't think so no i think um just trying to keep it consistent um for the most part i think it's definitely going to be a little different when i come i'm going to come out here a little early okay um and be here which will be a little different but i'm excited for that uh to work with with rick davis he's um unbelievable at what he does so i'm excited to to kind of get on that program here at the end
0: craig conroy gets hired as general manager of the team one of the first things he says is i want the team to be younger i want to get guys younger guys more of an opportunity for next year when you hear that how much does it energize you
2: it's exciting to hear um it definitely is um like I said, my goal is to, to come in and, and kind of steal a spot. But um, I think for me right now, it's got to be a, a day-to-day mindset. Just every day get a little better, every day get a little better. And um, just make sure that when, when camp does start, I uh, feel my absolute best and, mm-hmm. and put myself in, in a position where I can, I can do that.
0: You talk about wanting to come into camp and steal a spot. Just in terms of, though, your confidence level and, and just belief in yourself, do you believe right now that the NHL is the the spot for you?
2: You know, it's 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 hard to you know to say that. Um, I think for me, I just wanna wanna you know like play my best and and do whatever I can at camp to impress. Yeah. Um, but. It, it's tough to say.
0: No, I appreciate I appreciate the you don't want to get too ahead of yourself, right? Like and, and you don't want to you don't want to start putting the cart in front of the horse. You want to be as in the moment as possible. Is that kind of the the tr- way that you're trying to approach everything right now?
2: Definitely. Yeah, just just get better and better every day and and see where it goes from there.
0: Okay, we're chatting with Matt Coronado with the Flames. Tell me about you you were uh you were living with Dylan Dubey when you were here. T- tell us about that and and having a guy who's gone through a lot of these things and who's had to work his way to the nhl what
2: was that like he helped me a ton uh when i was here those last couple those couple weeks um he told me about all the all the development camps he went um and kind of when he when he broke in and and all that kind of stuff so he was uh really big for me and feeling comfortable um I know he's, he's going to be in town next week, so I'm hoping I get to see him. Um, I'm grateful he, he took me in and really helped me feel comfortable while I was here. So um, he's a great guy, and I'm excited to see him.
0: Just to have a guy like that to even bounce things off of, how important is that? If you're frustrated or you got questions or just how, how do you take that next step? Nutrition, fitness, how, how important was a guy like that for in, in some of those areas?
2: he was great um i went i was in the hotel uh for the first few days and then uh he kind of took me in so i was kind of doing all the same stuff he was um and like you're learning from a pro right so yep. um it was unbelievable that he did that for me and um i think we we built a little friendship there and and like i said i'm i'm excited to see him and i'm, I'm grateful for what he did
0: what what's the
2: focus for you here this week at
0: development camp what are some of the things that you're trying to get out of it
2: um, you know, it's, it's great to be out here. I think it's, it's great to keep, keep, uh, getting around the city and, um, I love it so far out here, but on the ice, I think it's, it's great skates. It's great workouts. Um, it's great to to just be with the staff for a couple weeks here. Um, so I'm just looking at, uh, like the rest of the summer just keep getting better while i'm here
0: okay so last question and that is just kind of as you as you've been around now and been back around the team new coaching staff new management staff and and not even not even talking about the old one but just it's a new group do you get the sense that there is uh, a little bit of a different buzz and and a fresh feel around the group now
2: um it's tough to say right away i think uh it's definitely it's definitely exciting. Um, there's there's great people in in these these positions, and I'm really happy for them, and I know they're going to do a great job. So um, I think everyone with the organization's really excited about it.
0: Have you uh, have you got a chance to spend any time with uh, Jerome McGinley?
2: I haven't yet. No, I'm uh, excited too though.
0: He's he's a he's a right winger, a right shot right winger. You're a right shot right winger. Like how cool? Like w- was he a guy that you looked up to growing up?
2: Definitely. He's a, he's definitely. A someone I'm really excited to meet um hoping this week I get a chance to talk to him for a few minutes
0: that is Matt Coronado spoke with him a little earlier on this Thursday this text comes in says Matt Coronado sounds like a real humble and appreciative kid these are the types of players the Flames need for their future and that was the one thing I we I was I was sitting the exact same place I am right now he was sitting in the chair beside you Wes and just I I I saw like when answered the question about does he feel like he can be in the NHL full-time that's where he belongs I I don't want to say that he squirmed but I think he felt like I I don't want to like I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and so we were talking a little bit after I hit uh, I hit stop and that's exactly where he is like I I really don't want to take anything for granted he's really going out of his way to stay in the moment here and to make sure that He's not thinking about September. He's not thinking about, is he going to be in the American league or the NHL? And I, I really appreciate the pro- the approach because I think it's genuine. I think it's, it's humble. And I think that that, that, that text, like I really still think that we're talking about a guy who's just super appreciative to be here.
1: Yeah. And it, it sort of jives with the conversations that I had with him, even going back to Harvard, you know, you try to, you try to ask him about being the leading scorer on his team or, or, you know, you're, you're, leading this in whatever you just got named to the all whatever team whatever the question was like we're talking about a guy who's who's really humble and who doesn't seem to take any of this for granted and I really do think that's going to endear him to his veteran teammates I, I think I think if you had a bunch of them sitting around this table they'd even tell you he did not sign and show up from college thinking, you know, put me in the lineup. I'm just as good as any guy here. I, I think there is a humility there. there yeah. There's a lot of really, obviously there, there's an impressive on ice skill set, but but there's a lot of endearing qualities in, in terms of him as as a young man and the way he's carried himself. I've been nothing but impressed.
0: Don't have a ton of time before we have to wrap up this hour, but knowing that Craig Conroy has been very clear. He wants this team to be younger next year. Matt Coronado's got a game of NHL experience under his belt. He's a first-round pick from now two years ago. What's your gut say? I I look at it and I say, Tyler Toffoli's gone. There's not a lot of right shot, right wing scoring options that they've got right now. The right shot being the operative word and maybe the most important word, if you ask me. For instance, Sharon Govich is a left shot. I don't know. I I think there's a real opportunity that Coronado starts the season on the NHL roster. I think there's a real opportunity Coronado is an NHLer for the better part of next season. And I wouldn't have said that the same way had they not made the changes that they did.
1: Yeah. And I think where we're really going to see that opportunity is going to be in some of the line combinations, et cetera, that you're going to see in the preseason. And I fully expect Matt Coronado to be auditioned in a, a middle six type role. I think in the, the preseason, you're going to see him get some legitimate power play opportunity. And while he does only have one game of NHL experience, we're not talking about a long list of flames forward prospects who look like they're ready to contribute offensively at the NHL level. And especially to your point on the right wing, I I think he is going to get a lot of runway in training camp. I I think, I think deep down, they'd like to see him get a little bit of minor league seasoning, but I think there's going to be a lot of runway for him to prove otherwise, and, and I'm really fascinated to see what he does with it.
0: Okay, flip of the flip of the coin. Yes or no? Is he on the NHL roster for opening night? Yes. Yep, yeah, I'm a yes as well. Pat and Wes, along with you from Winsport on this Thursday, coming up on Tuesday of next week. We'll be out at, uh, well, geez, we'll be out in DeWinton for uh, Brian Burke's Targets for Kids, another Targets for Kids event, this time on July 11th. Uh, and we're going to just tell you all about this incredible event that has raised over $150,000 in the first six years. Uh, you can still sign your team up. Uh, team of four. You get ready for a huge day. You got a, you got uh, the safety demo. You've got the target shooting. You've got the barbecue lunch. You've got local celebs and a whole lot more. And of course, all the proceeds go to Kids Sport Calgary. It is the Brian Burks Target for Kids seventh annual Targets for Kids coming up on Tuesday, July eleventh. If you want more information, go to Sportsnet.ca/slash nine sixty. One more time, more information for Brian Burks Targets for Kids on Tuesday, July eleventh, on Sportsnet.ca/slash nine sixty state.